<laughs> Welcome to Burning What is up, you guys? It is another very hot episode of Burning in Hell. Today, we have one of my favorite comedians, and I was on her podcast in the past. It's Heather McDonald of the critically acclaimed podcast, Juicy Scoop, oh. with over 30 million downloads. Thank you. Critically acclaimed. I think we're up to like <laughs> 70 million. I think that was from like a couple years ago, but who's counting? <laughs> I don't know. I've been doing it for five years, so I've been doing it a while. Holy crap. That's a long time. Two episodes a week. Yes. Um, but we're also here to talk about your second stand-up special that's coming out August 7th. I first discovered Heather. I've been creeping on her for a while from the Chelsea Lately show. Every night I would fall asleep watching like the funniest women on TV. And you produced, you wrote, you performed over seven years. But you've also been all over the place, as in you've been on Watch What Happens. You've been on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. No, I, I, I've, only, I've only been on Watch What Happens <laughs> once about eight years ago. Well, what the hell? They have not did you, uh, asked. Did you piss Andy off? I don't know. I, I will. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I'd love to find out. I've only been like promoting their shows and talent uh, consecutively for five years in a very positive light. But who knows? Life is weird and this business is weird. And, you know, that's what's so great about um, where I am now with podcasting and the stand up because that stuff doesn't really matter anymore. Like, you're so right. Well, your first book, <laughs> yes, I did my research. Wasn't your first book about like burning bridges or something? Burning Bridges, no, it was, um, you'll never, well, kind of, you'll never blue ball in this town again, is my okay. first book, which is, the title came from, there were a bunch of books in the 90s, and this is about my life uh, in the 90s, that came out that were like, you'll never make love in this town again, and it was sort of about like a high-priced hooker, there was, you'll never nanny in this town again, mm. the original book was, you'll never work in this town again, and yes. then from there... People kind of was like, oh, I was a hooker in the town. I was a nanny in the town. So then when I was thinking about writing this book about my adventures in my 20s and the 90s, I said, oh, you'll never blue ball in this town again because I was a 27-year-old virgin and I just blue balled a lot of people and probably, you know, pissed them off a little bit. So you're very hard to get, which I, I love a woman who plays hard to get, but was this because of your religion or because you were... Yeah, what, what was it because of? It was just sort of like a procrastination and then also just not like having like a, a, a real boyfriend. Yeah. And so then as I got a little bit older, like once I was past like, you know, high school age or 18 or 19, then I got to college and it was just, you know, a lot of fun, like frat parties and making out like dry humping people. And then I'd never hear from them again. And I would think, my God, I'm so happy I didn't like give my virginity to this guy that just like skateboarded past me and you know and then and then I, and then it, then I graduated at 21 from call from USC and then it starts to get weird then I would tell a couple guys that I thought I liked and we were like dating and I was like okay I'm I keep blue balling him he's probably wondering why I'm doing this I should probably just tell him I'm a virgin and then he'll realize it's not personal and I did that with a couple guys and then they were like oh Goodbye. Don't want anything to deal with this. You know, and I don't know if it's that, what that is, you know. And so then I stopped telling anybody. 
like even new girlfriends that I would like meet in in theater or in you know the groundlings or whatever. I just kind of kept it like private, and um, and then as and then it gets weirder and weirder as you get older. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it like was not having it, your driver's license. It's cute in the beginning, and then people are like, "What did you? What's wrong with you? Somebody? Yeah, were you, <laughs> were you, were you molested in a car?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do have to say, dry humping it, is so underrated and needs to happen more often. And a lot of the time, the hottest foreplay or the hottest thing in general is not <sighs> having sex. But I can imagine guys in their early 20s are like, oh, God, she's a virgin. It's going to be a whole emotional thing. And I'm my brain is the size of a squ- of a squirrel's nut. Right. And I can't handle this. Well, I don't think you can have a real relationship, you know, without a normal boning relationship at a certain point. And so, yes, I was I was raised Catholic and my mom did like teach my sisters and I, oh, you know, you stay a virgin until you're married. But they didn't, you know, um, kind of <laughs> along. My other, my other sister, I don't think, did it till like law school, which she went right after school, after college. But it really wasn't that. It was more just like I thought I would be so devastated if I did bone someone and they blew me off. Mm. And then I finally got to a certain age where I was like, it, it is like not getting your driver's license. I think it becomes a bit of a procrastination. A kind of like just fucking rip off the band-aid, like just do it. And then also when I as I got older, I was like, my God, I've gone this long. I certainly don't want to get pregnant or get an STD. So then I was always very like very aware of like what birth control works and this and that. And so I was always told if you're gonna go on the pill, you have to actually be on it for 30 days before you go bone because can't just be on it for like a week, you it know. It won't work. It so won't... then I, so there were a few occasions where I met somebody and I liked him and we're dating and I'm blue balling him and I'm not telling him I'm a virgin, but I went to the doctor and I'm starting this cycle, okay. And before the thirty days were up, when the guy was going to get you know the treat of a lifetime, <laughs> I would just stop hearing from them. <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> Heaven was on the other side. What was your typical line you would use to get out of a sexual situation that, like, you did not want to engage in? Well, I was I was always just, like, right from the beginning of, like, the heavy petting. Or if I went back to his house, I'd just be like, just so you know, I'm not going to sleep with you tonight. And then they'd be like, all right. And, like, sometimes I'd sleep over, you know, like, a, you know, lots of dry humping, like a boner throughout the night, you yeah. know, just the joys of what that is. And, you know, and then I just think after a while, the guy probably consulted with friends and they're yep. probably like, this girl who dresses sexy and drinks, she's fucking boning somebody else, dude. Get rid of her. <laughs> like, I think that really was it. And since I wasn't being honest, but I never thought that I was always I always took the blow off as. I wasn't liked. I never said, oh, it's because I wasn't sleeping with him. I was always mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck. You know, he didn't, yeah. he stopped liking me. And so, um, so I mean, I, I would, my advice to people when I wrote the book, and because I did, I would get girls that came up to me. I'd be people who would be like, this is my friend, you know, Jennifer, she's 25, da, da, da. I, my advice was like, get on the pill, use a condom, whatever works for you. Don't get pregnant. Go, don't get an STD at this point in your life. Like you're, mm-hmm. that was the other thing. Like you're a college graduate, you're bright. Like, you know, I'm not going to be so dumb at this point to make a mistake. And so, um, but I would say to someone, you know what, as long as it's a safe situation, just fucking get it over with. And it might be better to get it over with, with someone that you're not that into. 
Which like is just, crazy because you're taught to wait for your soulmate. Yes, which some yes. Of, some of us never meet ever. Not to get right, dark. and especially. Yeah, and especially if you're kind of thinking, oh, I don't want to be hurt. Well, if it's somebody that you're just, like, sexually attracted to and it's a fun night, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm 24. Like, you know what? All right. Put the condom on. Let's just do it. And if I hear from you again, I hear from you again. But mm. why give the guy the power of knowing that you did it? If you're 24, you're going to be fine. It's you'll You'll get through it. It's not like... It's I, like I a mean, secret. Like, if you hide a secret yes. for a long time, it becomes bigger yeah. and bigger. I always felt like, as I've gotten older, I realized... Sex should not be used as like a weapon or a control tactic. Not that right. you were doing that, but it's like I personally don't enjoy sex with someone I don't have emotions with. So yeah. it's like find what kind of sex works for you. Like I don't have to be dating him, but I need to have some kind of like chase or like some kind of like I know he wants me. Um, but yeah, never use it. A guy's never going to like you more just because you waited that much longer. I always feel like, okay, it might he might talk to you for longer because you're holding it like him hostage with it but once he has sex if he's not into he's not into you that's like my theory with it all i do think though um in the last like you know decade or two guys normally are more competitive and they like a challenge yeah and so that is why throughout time until the last five years the girls did make it a little harder. You did have to call them up. You did have to go to their house. You did have to pay for their dinner. You did have to hope that, you know, maybe by the third date you'd have sex. That was sort of like the standard when I grew up. And then when it got longer than three or four dates, that's kind of when the guy was like, what the fuck? You know, using me for the dinners? Like, what? And the girl then <laughs> would have happens. to be like... Yeah, or the girl would have to be like, no, I, I need a commitment. And then that, you know, and so with yeah. certain relationships, that could be weird. But I think... um you know, it's just the way people date now, it's just gotten so because women are like, hey, if I want to fuck, I'm going to fuck. And if mm -hmm. I'm going to I don't care. And, you know, I'll swipe to the right and meet you. And it doesn't mean that those relationships can't fall in love and last forever. Yeah. But I do think when you make it so like easy for the guy, which is hard because that's the when all of your <laughs> when every other girl around you is go driving to the guy's house, bringing him a pizza, giving him a blow job cleaning up after yourselves and then going home so he can have his own bed. No. It, it, where will that challenge be? What will make that guy then want to be challenged? It's funny because you know? my mindset is like the sex, I'll have it. It's not going to like change it or not, but I do not do wifey duties. I'm not cleaning. Right. I'm not doing your bed. I'm not like, no, but also I, I try to not sh show him emotion. Like I'd rather him know that I don't like him and he still hasn't won me over, but like we can have sex. I almost feel like that's because my whole thing is you don't actually like a guy in the first couple of weeks. You don't know him. You could be attracted to him. You could enjoy the sex. But I do think ideally if we were going to write a little book, three to five yeah. dates is the prime time, I think, to hook up. Yeah. If to we were doing it right. Up. I also think there's a weird thing when people have gone out a number of times and like, haven't kissed yet like I think you've got to like get that first make out in right away just to know that like your body's mesh you can make out the pheromones you know yeah you feel a little boner against the leg <laughs> like like milk it out a little I, mean, I don't think you have to be like dating a year and engaged but like milk it out a little because it's like if you can you're but right, also though, you know if yeah. you wait too long for sex, it does become like a bigger, more awkward thing that can get in your head. So it's like, yes, 
You don't and wait for the too guy long then. almost as bad as doing it too early when you're not comfortable. I think so too. And I think then that's extra pressure on the guy. Like, oh my God, if I'm the first bone <laughs> or we've waited so long as a couple, like what if I can't perform? What if I, yeah. you know, don't give her the you know, orgasm the way she wants? Like, yeah. I think that's a lot of pressure. And I also think girls in the last like, you know, 10 years or so have become so like critical and mean about like men and their performance and their yeah. dick size. Yeah. I always remember that curb your enthusiasm where it was like, well, what? It, maybe you have a huge vagina, you know? <laughs> like, how do you know that I have a small dick? Like, you could just have an enormous vagina. Like, what if guys were just walking around just being like, you know who has the biggest fucking vagina at Columbia? Who? You know, ugh. Sex is extremely mental, so it's like, yes. yeah, you putting it on this pedestal and then him, like, not performing well in his head or being so worked up. Guys get so embarrassed so easily with their little dicks, so it's like, you want it to be comfortable for the both of you, and if it feels uncomfortable to wait super long or you feel like you're just doing it because of what society's saying, like, do what makes the two of you what feels right, you know? Yeah, yes, but then also, like, you know, you can't share exactly how you feel, you know, to some... 20 year old guy well, because they're just not mature enough is so you do terrible. have to i think you always have to play the game no one knows what they're doing like guys do not know where your clitoris is they don't know how to pleasure anyone they're so in their head of what they're doing and them trying to impress you like early sex is just you just gotta i don't know i feel like yeah older guys are kind it's of just, where it's at right now it's guys just embarrassing the, the whole thing it's just just embarrassing the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so my question to you is, how did you lose it? So I, um, let's see. So I was dating this guy that I, I met him. Oh, this is kind of funny. So our moms were like in the same sorority and would like meet at the San Fernando Valley chapter. Like the like they didn't go to the same colleges, but they're in the same sorority. So they were friendly. My mom was like into this. This was like her little social group. And so she's like, oh, uh, Shirley's son is going to be transferring to SC. And I'd like met him like a couple times. And so he was in a, a good fraternity that we did stuff with, like a, you know, a happening one. And so that was kind of like a boost, you know. And then uh, so we started to like hang out. We took me to a party. But then he sort of blew me off and that was it. And then I saw him out at a bar when I was like 26 or 7 and still a virgin and then it was like on he had like a nice apartment he was a couple years older than i am he was like working in film he like had a life he had a good car it was like apartment off a of sunset and taking me out on good dates and just like really getting into it and so finally i was after a couple dates i was just like we're getting together i'd already spent the night at this house a few times I was like, all right. I basically said, all right, let's do it. Like, that's fine. Get it. Do you have a condom? Yes. And then I just did it. And then I, I remember I, the next morning I went home and I called my sister. And I was like, you've been waiting 27 mornings for this call. I finally fucking did it. <laughs> what did she say? She's like, oh, my God. Okay, great. Like, whatever. You know, and then... Um, but I'm just I'm still embarrassed. I'm still like, I'm just telling yeah. you right now, yeah. embarrassing. Like, I remember when this book came out 10 years ago and I was doing a lot of press for it. And I was like sitting in the green room for some, you know, talk show or something. I'm like, and next, we're going to be talking to a 27-year-old virgin. And I was like, oh, that's depressing. Oh, wait, that was me. Like, I was like, oh, wait, that's the theme of my book. Like, I was just like, Jesus. Like, I <laughs> 
I love it too. When you first did it, you probably thought like hell would just open up and you would just fall down and meet the devil. But did it? Did it feel good when you did it? Finally? I mean, it felt fine. I mean, I was probably I was really wasted. Yeah. I went along with it. I think I like, you know, enhanced my sex sounds coming out of my mouth. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, and then You're I an and then I and. Then, oh, my God, then the story gets even more embarrassing. Okay, so then he You're, comes like, getting to, hives. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just so, so then I'm like, okay, bye. You know, ha, ha, like, drive my little Celica back to Brentwood. And then I'm doing, like, a set at um, at Laugh Factory. And he's like, oh, I'd like to come see you. Oh, God, the worst, right? So I was like, all right. And it just wasn't, like, a good night. Like, the other stand-ups weren't great. I wasn't – it definitely wasn't my best. I didn't, like, have anybody else there to, like, whatever. So we go out to eat, and I'm just not feeling great about that. <laughs> and then he's like, so last night, like, did you have fun? And I was like, oh, my God. I must be, like, the worst lay. Like, I, I – and still, he doesn't know it was the first time I've had sex. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, eating my salad. Like, just – oh, just so awful. And then – okay, and then I think we did it, like – we went on a couple more dates. Did it, like, a maybe even, like, just one or two more times. And then the next morning after, like, you know, a drinking boning night, <laughs> I – um. I like, oh, and I remember like he didn't have condoms, but now that I've had sex like, you know, two or three times, I'm like, uh, the evening has to end with sex, right? Like, and so there was this thing called Pink Dot. It was like Postmates before Postmates, but like the Pink Dot, like grocery store could deliver you condoms or whatever. And I'm like, you need to call Pink Dot, you know, because again, I'm not going to like now just like start having sex without condoms. Like I've just kept this body just pure, you know? And so... I don't. I don't even think he wanted to. Like, I think he was like losing interest. Okay, so then somehow He's like, you're I think a sex we, maniac. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point I think we did it. Whatever. I pass out. Next morning, I like wake up, go to the bathroom, or hang out. Like just laying in the bed, just like talking, and and I go. So what am I to you? Like the worst question ever. What am I to you? And he's like. Ugh. And I was like, Oh, here it comes, Heather. You know, you're my girlfriend, of course. He's like, I mean, I told you, like, I do not want a girlfriend right now. And I go, oh, all right. He's like, you know, I like, because he'd broken up with some girl of like several years, like a couple of months prior that cheated on him or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I just didn't like, no, whatever. So I leave and I'm like, all right, who cares? It's over with. Like, I'm not chasing this person. I'm not. And then it's like, then he called me a couple more times. I don't know if we ever went out after that. I was like, well, you're calling me. Like, what, you want to still, like, date? Like, I don't get it. Never saw him again. And then I looked him up recently. Ugh, not cute. <laughs> not cute. No longevity. <laughs> no. Then I dated. Then I dated this other guy that was very cute, and he was a quarterback at SC a couple years back. Mm-hmm. I mean, back when we were in school, and he was like 30. We but love he wasn't CTE, the... man. What's a CTE mean? It's the disease all the football players have where their brain like turns Oh, to oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can manipulate them and control them in relationships. Hilarious. I think, um, 
I don't know. I think he was like, he was not setting the world on fire. He was trying to be a mortgage broker, but he lived with the parents, which at 30 back then was a big, like, you're a bit of a taboo. Like, now it's completely acceptable, even pre-COVID. But, like, then it was a little... mm, no, I don't think it's completely acceptable now, but it was pretty bad then. Okay, so I was like, oh, okay, but, like, maybe he's, like, going to save it for a house. But he was cute, and he took me out. So I boned him a couple times. And then, but it was, again, it wasn't really going anywhere. Like, we weren't becoming boyfriend and girlfriend. He wasn't, I wouldn't, and then I wouldn't hear from him for a week. So then I was like, oh, I guess that's over. And then he'd call me. And so then um, he was like, oh, do you want to go to this birthday party to, um, of this mutual friend of ours. And then I knew that Peter, my husband now, who my other friend was trying to set me up with, was also friends with this guy. So I called him and I said, is the Peter guy going to be at the party? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to let my this guy pick me up. I'll just drive there so I have my own car. So if I like the Peter guy, I can officially blow off the quarterback Smart. who's living at home. Smart. You're the real quarterback so- in this situation. Call in the plays. <laughs> <laughs> So I drive the Celica to El Cholo in Santa Monica, kind of like a happening Mexican spot. Mm-hmm. And then I walk in and I see the guy who's, his name was Curtis, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so he like waves his hand and I go, oh, hey, you know, and then just then Peter just like swoops in and was like, hi, I'm Peter. Like, I can't believe we're finally meeting. And then I never saw the the guy again, the quarterback guy again, until I was on the SC campus for a book, like an LA Times book thing. And I honestly don't remember if it was this this book, not to like promote it, or my <laughs> second book, but it was one of the books. And I'm like... Nobody goes to those things, by the way. So yeah. it was like, I think I did like one panel and then people were like, and Heather McDonald's booth is going to be here. And like, you know, two little, you know, two gay guys came and I was like, it. I'm like, okay, let's time to go home. Like, whatever. So then I start like walking in my heels across the, the SC campus to get to my car. And he happens to be there. Like, he's like, Heather. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just so coincidental that A, like literally, I think it was this book where she is in under a different name. You guys get it on Amazon. I go, oh, I was just, I wrote this book. And like, I was like, oh my God. And he was there because his dad was like doing something special and being like retired or so. I don't know. And, um, but it even took me a minute to like recognize him. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, here I've written about you chapters in this book. I barely even recognize you. And also Again. in this book, I ran into another guy recently at Nobu, this really rich guy that that's the juice. That's like one of the juiciest stories in this book. Um, and I don't think he even remembered me. And I'm like, here I wrote ch- a whole chapter, changed the name, afraid I'd get sued. He's like, what? Who? <laughs> that's actually great because that's my biggest fear, too, is like because l- – Everything is great content to talk about. And so many guys, I'm just yeah. afraid that they're going to hate me for life. But I, the laugh is worth it. Legally, I would say what, what my publisher said, so I think the same rules should apply when you blog or, or, do, a, or mm-hmm. do a podcast, is change the name. Don't make it an alliteration. So if the guy's name is Michael, don't call him... I don't know, Mambo. I don't. I can't even think of another M word. But like, call him like Bob, 
And if he like lives in the Hamptons, make it like Montauk. And if he's a podiatrist, make him a pediatrician. Like mm-hmm. change just a, a few things so that you can say, no, it wasn't you, even though it will clearly be him and everyone in your family will know who you're talking about. <laughs> and when you start to do it, change the name right when you start to write the first draft. Because I never understood that, too. Like, I was with Simon & Schuster, and then after it was all done, they're like, okay, you need to change all these names. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so confused. Like, mm-hmm. even when you just said, and then Kevin, I was like, oh, Kevin is actually this other person's name. But I forget. Like, I forgot what I named him because it was like I na- I renamed him in the final draft. And then I'm like, people are coming up to me being like, and the story about so-and-so. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking Oh, that's right. You know? So, I'm, so I even said to the um, – publisher and editor i'm like you know when you get like more people like me that's like telling like you know essay stories or whatever i'm like that you guys have like a little printout of like here's some rules to follow before you ever even start writing yeah so now i just tell people i don't think they need to suffer like i did yeah i actually i fucked up last week i was i was on call her daddy and i was like trying my best to come up with the yes craziest college stories and i told a story of a kid who came really early before he had sex with me it was like part of a bigger story and I gave not only his name but like the job he did on campus and afterward the episode came out and I couldn't even enjoy it because I like found him on Facebook and I like sent him a message and I'm like I'm so sorry I hope we can laugh at this so long story short you're right and then it's not worth it to get involved with full names and social security numbers even though it's tempting but wait was what what was his reaction the guy he hasn't responded to my Facebook message, and I'm just going to assume <laughs> that we are in the clear. Um, but I feel terrible. I do feel yeah. terrible. I just, like, I feel free when I'm just dropping names, and I just realize it's not it's not worth it in the long run. Yes. And guys really, really never want girls talking about them. Even, even the guys in the books that I thought I was writing positively about, mm-hmm. I found out later, like through mutual friends, like like the one high school guy that I then dated again in college, I thought it was funny. I thought it was flattering to him. I thought, mm-hmm. honestly, I thought he'd like love it. No, he was very pissed. His wife wasn't happy either. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, like, oh my God, I thought you'd be like, so, like, I'm so excited when anyone's talking about me that I thought, like, guys would feel yeah. the same way. They really don't. Especially if they're not, they like, in this business. They really don't want to be, like, the subject of, like, a tell all sex, 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 what do you call it? Like, yeah. sex stories or whatever. <laughs> sex yeah. But they're like, oh, I want my privacy. And I'm like, I don't even know what privacy means at this point. So I can't even, like, put myself in your shoes. But I don't know. I also, I want to yeah. talk about your this stand-up special coming up what was the inspiration behind it what made you want to do another special give me the tea so i mean i did my first special it came out in august of 2014 that was my first like hour special i'd never done like a half hour special and a company produced it and show it was on showtime and then netflix bought it and back then netflix was not like nearly as obviously as big as it is now and um I didn't even know that like Netflix bought it. Someone's like, oh, your special's unveiled on Netflix. I was like, oh, great, you know. So, um, but it wasn't it wasn't a good financial deal. In fact, I like basically made no money on the special unless I sold the DVDs after a show and then no one has DVD players. So it was like, <laughs> loser, take your fucking plastic shit. <laughs> 
microphone. Hi, if anybody um, wants, uh, I'm selling it for ten. Wait, you could put it under like a table if it's like kind of. I shaky. bought them so right. I bought would buy them myself for three dollars. Pack them in an extra suitcase. Go do stand up, and then sell them for ten. So I'd make seven dollars a DVD. Okay, that's called hustling, but, you guys. That's called hustle. So I, but I felt like, oh, you know, just to say I had a special on Showtime, just to say it's on Netflix, like that's impressive, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then, in the last couple of years, I was like, okay, I have you know more than enough material for a special. Let's get a special going. Like, you know, who's dying to do the Heather McDonald special? You know, and um, <laughs> and it was a little quiet. And I don't, I don't understand why, because I was, I do very well as a headliner, but you know, there's a lot in this business of groups of people that are hot, that are not, that are, yeah. you know, of all, you're all managed by the same people who are then know these people and this people and that people. And, and it's so weird it really audio, you're, you're dominating with your podcast. So it's like, why can't, what, you don't yes. want to see it on the screen? I mean, you know, every, it's all, that's what's so weird about Hollywood is like it just comes down to just a couple people and they're the ones that decide this person gets the TV show or this one gets the special it's not like we you know when people went into a voting booth across America these are the 10 people that get Netflix specials these are the ones that don't it's like it's just a lot of that so Mm -hmm. people why does that why don't you have a Netflix special Heather so they'd say that to me and then I was like you know what I love all these stories and they're they're really funny and they're like you know really great polished stand-up bits from the last couple of years I'm going to put all the best ones together um that's like a common theme of just my life you know being a mom being a stand-up loving juicy scoop mm-hmm. being that woman that like is gossiping I love to hear about who my friends are dating affairs like just that you know yes. type of stuff and I'm and I'm not I don't try to be like the perfect mom I you know these I have these sons I'm I stay married because I think God's gonna reward me in the end like I just <laughs> am honest about all of it you know but then I'm like envious of my friends that like get divorced then I see how miserable they are after two years so I'm like oh maybe it's not that bad like I'm just extremely honest about the whole situation so I really wanted like other people that weren't aware of me from the podcast or from the stuff I've done to find me. So we filmed it ourselves last year in Irvine Improv, which is like one of my favorite places to do. And it was like a big, expensive undertaking and a lot of stress. And and then, um, you know, was hoping that another big network would want to, you know, write me a big check and and plaster it on billboards and um that did not happen but uh again that is sort of the story of my career that i i just have to keep doing everything myself and it's an uh, it's a professionally produced fabulous stand-up special that i'm really excited for people to see and so i was like you know what let's just put it out there let I want people to see it. They can't see stand up. Who knows when they can go see it again? I don't want to wait on it any longer. So I'm really excited to offer it to on Amazon Prime for rent or purchase. But I'm also I have a you know a great Patreon that I've been doing for three years, patreon.com slash juicy scoop. So if someone has listens to Juicy Scoop and or hasn't joined Patreon or just found out, they can join the Patreon, which is, you know, not a lot of money at all. Um, and then it'll live there and they can watch it there. So I wanted to reward the people that have that supported so me throughout smart. the whole thing. 
Thank you. I, I hope yeah. it is. I'm I mean, happy. I don't, yeah, like, I, after a while, you just don't care anymore. You're like, you know what? Just watch it. And then when you own it, then I can use as much as I want for social media, YouTube, whatever. So, like, I think so many you know, people are like, how do I make it? How do I make it? And it's, and it's like you can wait around for, like, the perfect opportunity of someone to see you at the perfect time that still won't. Nowadays, it's like use what we have, which is the fact that everything can be available to people if you make it yourself and I ultimately believe that like the hard work you're putting in like it will not go unnoticed it just it's unorthodox for yeah. 10 years ago of how to make a special but I'm good for right. you saying fuck the man and just doing it yourself yeah and I mean I'm happy because it's it's like really I mean I think it's better than my first special I think it's funny you're like I love it and then also for Stanis once you kind of once you put it out there it like forces you to that's materials and like retired. Yes. So I had been doing like a whole new bit, like for the last six months before COVID of like all new stuff, thinking like this special will come out. And, you know, by by maybe the, the end of this year, I would have like been able to actually tape a whole nother special. But obviously mm -hmm. everything's been pushed back. And um, so in that respect, I just I always just like make the lemonade out of lemons and I'm really enjoying not traveling and I'm enjoying putting more time and effort into the podcast. And uh, yeah. And so just you have videos and like, have huh? you been missing it? Has it been weird without it or have you been kind of embracing it? You know, it's very it's very interesting. Like when I'm one of those people that I didn't realize like how much um Stress, like how hard I've been driving myself for 10 years, like being a mom, working on Chelsea, like going doing stand up twice a month, doing five, you know, five shows a weekend. Sometimes the Sunday would be a live juicy scoop, which is like, you know, 10, 20 hours of prep work with uh, like, you know, and just doing it. And oh, what are my numbers? And then I do the meet and greets after and all this stuff. And I really and the next day I'd fly back. I sometimes I'd like get dressed in a LAX bathroom to like go to an event or not miss a party with my kid. And so it just was kind of like, oh, my God, I can't believe I only have one job. Like I I'm just doing the podcast like and helping my kids with their Zoom work like this is it. It was kind of weird. And then as more time passes, it seems more foreign. Like the more, like I, I actually started stand up in my twenties, and I didn't do stand up for um, seven years when I was like having my kids. And what? How I old never were you when you had my, your kids? Um, my first at third, just let's see, I had thirty two and thirty five, and so I wasn't doing stand up during those years, and I never like consciously said I'm gonna quit stand up. I just. I got married, and after I got married, I was like, oh, I feel weird inviting anyone to my shows that I didn't invite to my wedding. Like, that's so rude. <laughs> and I still kind of needed it to in L.A. to kind of, like, bring people to, like, get spots. Yeah. And so I just – and I lived, like – I live in the Valley, so it's, like, a solid, you know, 45 minutes from it's any club. And I just kind of was, like, happy to have my husband. And, like, well, you know, I just, I just did not miss it. And then as I, as I had my second kid, I was, like – coming up with all this funny stuff of like what my life was like now and so I I was watching Last Comic Standing and that's when I started to miss it and I was mm. like I think I'd like to do this again and literally like the next day um Lisa Sunstead who runs a great school called Pretty Funny Women and she like has a school and really fosters female comics 
she called me out of the blue and was like, I can't believe you quit stand-up. You were like my best one. And I go, I don't think I quit it. She's like, hasn't it been like seven years? And I'm like, oh, my God, I guess. So then she gave me a date, and I do really well with deadlines. Like, hence why, I, you know, I could never write a book until, like, I actually had, like, a check and I had to write a book. Like, so I was like, okay, if I have this date, I know I'll have – 10 minutes of great material that's brand new that's, you know, I'm not going to be talking about dating from, you know, eight years ago. I'm going to talk about my life now. And so then I kind of started doing it again. And then shortly after that, I got the Chelsea show. I went to, I wanted to have like a real job in the industry again. And then from there, then I started opening for her and then I became a headliner on my own. So I kind of like had this weird break. So now I kind of am like, wow, you know, this break is weird, but I know that once the break is done and I and I have the date and it's safe to go, that first time might be weird. It might be like the first time I had the awkward sex, but I think I'll get better <laughs> at it. You know, like I'll get back into it. It's like the yeah. gym or whatever. And you're like a different person. Like you've grown and yeah. experienced. Sometimes you have to like get away from it to like have a new perspective yeah. on things. I mean, as as it goes for stand-ups, like they've ne- there's this has never happened. Yeah, where like stand-ups haven't been able to perform for you know going on like five six months, and for certain stand-ups, everybody's different. But the majority of stand-ups that are, are, are really are like those people that love being on stage. They go every night, and I think for those, it's for them, it's been hard. For me, I always felt even when I took my break back in my um, early thirties. I was still, you know, I I was right. I wrote White Chicks and Dance Flick and I was like, got a pilot and I was still auditioning. And so like, I still felt like I was being creative. And with having the podcast, I still feel like I'm putting out content. I'm getting lots of feedback that's keeping me going. Yeah. So it's not like it's completely lost. I really feel bad for the standups and the singers that their 90% of their creativity was on stage. Yeah. You know, and they're not able to get it any way else. And so that part, I think, is really hard because it is a muscle. And and there are people that are, like, addicted to it, you know. And and the longer it goes, the harder. Stand-ups will freak out if they miss three days in a row. They're like, oh, I'm off. My timing's off. Or it's like a real addiction. So I'm hoping some stand-ups either had to face their addiction or they found new ways to create content that they wouldn't have ever forced themselves to do before, like learn how to edit a podcast or create video sketches or who the hell knows what kind of content's going out there now. Stand-up is the best when you're really like well-oiled. That's why when you see a special, it's usually someone was going hard for, you know, a couple months prior to that tape date so that they were really slick, really comfortable that is so that's why I mean it is something that's yeah go on what you're saying I know this is corny but I like have to ask what did you study in college and like what made you want to get into stand-up so I always knew uh, I knew I was like funny from very young and my parents were the opposite of most parents about stand-up they like were very supportive mm-hmm. of like you know they were just like you should be a stand-up like you you, you know would watch like any evening thing probably they'd be like that should be you one day and so then but I was like no being from LA I was really jaded so I was like no I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go to USC I'm gonna be a businesswoman I'm gonna be really rich and like run a business or something and but I I had a real desire for it and then once I was at SC and not pursuing it I was like very tormented by any time i there were other people at SC because we're close to Hollywood that had pagers, which meant they were not drug dealers. They had agents and they had headshots and things and they were pursuing it. 
And I'm like, I'm not pursuing acting or anything like this. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then my one friend, Maya Dreyer, because she wants the credit, <laughs> we had this horrible job right out of college where we were like assistant buyers for a big department store. And she threw down a learning annex magazine. This is like my first year out of school, like months out of school. And it was um, how to be a stand-up comic, like a one-nighter seminar, which really was this weird lady who then would try to hook you into like a six-week course, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's like, you're going to this. And I go, all right. So I went to the one course, and I like made the class of strangers laugh. And I left that Radisson Inn, wherever it was in Santa Monica, and I was like, all right. I'm ready for my life to change. I'm ready to like start pursuing it. And it was another one of those things like ripping off the Band-Aid, like you know that you should be doing it. And like being someone who believes in God and being raised Catholic, I was, I kind of had this epiphany of like, I knew I was, I knew I had a talent for doing something that not everybody could do, but Mm -hmm. I knew that it was a really hard path. And by not pursuing it, because you're like, well, I'll try to take this safer path, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like... A, a nephew to God, like you know. So I always try to tell people, like, no, I there's a lot of things I'm not good at, a, a ton. So you know, I, I barely can like turn on the TV. <laughs> so like, if you're really good at something that not everyone can do, like you, you, whatever, you're super creative. You can like, you know, like make the most beautiful cakes or like decorate or you know, you're a mechanic. Like mm-hmm. you know that you have a knack for that. Like that's the thing you should pursue because not yeah. everybody is good at everything, you know, and, and you should pursue something that you like and that you know that you're superior at is what I think. It's and, great that like your logic was telling you like I can do this career path. I could be a businesswoman. I will be successful. But when you said you were tormented, it's like it doesn't mean you're depressed. It means like the universe is telling you you're in the wrong place and to not be tormented, do what your heart really wants. And I'm the same way. Like I wanted to prove yeah. to my parents I could do marketing or sales, but I was miserable. And it's like, if you're really good and enjoy something, you can make money at it too. It's just harder as a creative, but you'll ultimately be happier. Definitely. And I definitely think in this world, um, you know, especially the last 10 years and even now, like, please like you know things change so quickly too you know so an industry that seemed safe a couple years ago and was a guaranteed paycheck is no longer so so you better be able to like switch switch your thing quickly and adjust and you know but if you have something special and talented and specific then you know hopefully it'll work out for you yes so I want to get a little darker and get to know you a little more what is your kind of bad habit of sabotaging yourself like how do you sabotage yourself when you're trying to accomplish something I think I'm pretty good about not doing that anymore Uh, (laughs) I definitely did I definitely did it in the past the biggest part was you know I had a whole life up until a couple years ago which really depended on other people saying yes in the business I was Mm. auditioning I was pitching shows I was trying to get a better agent you know and I would really psych myself out as like these people don't like me I don't know why I would think that the casting director isn't going to be happy to see my face and I think I spent so much energy like on that instead of like going in and thinking of course they the the truth is the casting director wants it to be you they want they want their job to be over as soon as possible so it's like I don't know why I thought that that 
bitch behind the camera was like an enemy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like they had it out so, for you. <laughs> Not this girl again. Yeah, and then sometimes I would see like other actresses see each other at an audition and they were so happy to see each other. Mm-hmm. And then they, they were all, both be going out for the same part. And I was like, why are they happy to see each other? They're each other's competition. But those people were like mentally healthy. And those <laughs> girls got that like, hey, if the part's not mine, it's not mine. It's, you know, it doesn't mean I can't be friends with this girl and I'm thrilled to see her. So then mm-hmm. I like started to sort of change my attitude about it. And, um, but I definitely like didn't have the confidence that other people had that were successful where it was just, yeah, of course it's going to be me. And I actually at like, one point I deserve was this, like, like kind of a stupid confidence. Yes. And so I actually, there was a time in my late twenties where I was like, should I be a Scientologist? <laughs> like they seem to be getting a lot of work. And I sort of explored it. And I think there is a lot of psychology to Scientology that makes you believe you are a superior being that can walk into a casting director and fucking get the part. I mean, Leah Remini, who is, you know, ex-Scientologist now, I read her book. That girl booked about 35, like she would book like 12 pilots like a year. It was insane. She had show after show from like 14 years old on. And she was introduced to Scientology at like 10. She like stopped going to school at like 10. Oh my God. And only studied Scientology and that weird way of communication and everything. And I'm like, and I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve that Mm -hmm. because she had that, you know, Brooklyn voice as a child that's Mm -hmm. like given, just like Lindsay Lohan, like those people (laughs) book. But like, I was just like, oh my God. And then there was the Jenna Elfman that just got sitcom after sitcom after sitcom. And I'm like, she's a Scientologist, you know? And then I was like, Heather, there's a lot there's a lot more successful Jewish people in Hollywood than Scientologists. So are you gonna go be Jewish? Like, idiot, you know, like <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah, well, it but, says something. It doesn't matter how you believe in yourself. Some people do it through religion. Yes. Some people do it through like just getting confidence through training. Some people from their parents or yeah. some people just have it in them. But yeah, you can't expect someone else to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself, which is like the corny part of it. Yeah, and I just I also think that you should never put like a time limit. Like I remember like there'd be guys I dated. I was dating this one guy and um I'm like, oh, I have a commercial audition, then I have another audition, then I have another audition. A couple weeks later, he's like, so whatever happened with all those auditions? I'm like, nothing. Never heard back. Never was put on a veil. Never got a call back. Like, that's what I do. I just waste three to four hours on each audition, getting cute, driving, parking, and then I never hear back. That's kind of like, that's my life. <laughs> I didn't really. And to someone who's like not in the business, they're like, um, so like, how long are you going to give this? And I'm like, well, I think I'm going to give it until I don't want to give it. Because each time I got an audition, it was like a little spark of excitement, mm-hmm. you know? So I would get excited that I had one. I was never like, oh, another audition. I was always like thrilled. And then I was just so used to never getting the job that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I just like part of like, this is the part of the path. So it's like, I think for for anybody in, you know, in, in uh, relationships or, you know, where what life brings you, like my advice is just like you just there shouldn't be a there shouldn't be like an age like by this age I'm going to own a house or by this age I want to be married or by this age I got to have my be pregnant with my first baby or whatever I mean you should have like you should have goals and you should be like realistic about things but I think you just you just just do it for as long as like you're happy if something's not making you happy anymore then also don't be afraid to quit yeah, those expectations like, just set you up for, like, sadness. And, like, they say God laughs at your plans. Like, you, 
stop. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, my, my sister, when my dad died, my sister's an attorney, and, like, her eulogy about my dad was she was, you know, in law school, stressed out, struggling, crying about how hard it is. And I think she was, like, beginning of her second year of three years. And my dad's like, Shannon, you can just quit. Like, you're a smart girl. You can do another career. Don't worry about, like, loans or whatever. Like, just just quit. Like, you don't have to you don't have to torture yourself for another year and a half and then try to study for the bar if this isn't what you want. And she didn't quit, but she was like, that was, like, the greatest, like, release, you know, because we, we both were, like, you know, really always wanted to please our parents, and we really were raised, like, you, ha- you can't quit. You have to finish something you started type of a thing. And it was just nice to know, like, no, you can quit. Like, you can drop out. Like, yeah. don't worry. You can quit a job. You can drop out of something. Just not knowing you have you. freedom is nice. Yes. Like, just knowing that it's yeah. your decision and not, like, the world's pressure on you. Yeah, and that, like, you know, the person that she, you know, looks up to the most was also like, I'm not going to love you any less. We're not going to think of you any less. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a big relief. And then, you know, it was kind of all she needed then to continue to succeed and go. But I think that's really important, too, as, like, a parent, you know, to be like, you know, hey, this isn't your thing. Like, who cares? You yeah. know, let let it go. I want to know, what is your biggest insecurity? Maybe, like, in your 20s or now? I don't know. I'm like pretty, I'm pretty confident. I mean, you know, I think as a parent, like just, I have three kids and um, I just really, I, I have to say, I, I kind of, I set the bar low as a parent in that. <laughs> and I have to say, I have never been happier that I have, don't have overachieving kids because right now, like everyone, like all these kids that had to get up at 5 a.m. to like, you know, be on lacrosse every practice. day. It's like it's all done and they're like fucked and like schools are like losing the program. And I'm like, well, at least we had fun like watching, you know, below deck and playing Scrabble like it just. So I think um, so I think with my with my kids, I just raised them where I was like, literally, if they're happy, not on drugs and not suicidal and are pleasant people and they're good people, I've won. I mean, I want them to be self-sufficient, and I want them to have jobs they like. And um, and so far, they're good in that respect. But I've also, like, I've let go of stuff, you know? I mean, like, during this pandemic, I'm like, okay, my, you know, I don't know if my kid will go somewhere the fall of next year. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if he'll be competing with all those other kids that took a gap year. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it will make sense to, like, you know, continue and do two years at I don't know at a JC. At least he's fun to be around. At least I like hanging out with him. At like, least you know, he's not an he's asshole. Not... You don't have to fake laugh in your own home. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's not like vaping and like telling me to shut up or anything. So it's like, but yeah, I think probably the biggest insecurity is just when you become a parent, you're just going to worry for the rest of your life and <laughs> it's just never, ever going to go away. Do you, naturally, ha- do you naturally have anxiety? Um, I realized I, I gained, a, I started to have a lot more anxiety in the last couple of years that I never understood when people talked about panic attacks and anxiety. Yeah. And because I had, you know, like a couple, like I can't get into it, but I had like a legal thing that's over with now. Yeah. And anybody that's involved in any kind of a legal thing, it's just so incredible. Like to me, it's so incredible, stressful. Other people that's their job or they like it or they get off on it. And it's mm-hmm. like their MO to like, you know, 
bring up lawsuits, whatever. For me, um, I don't I don't work well with that. It's like a three in the morning panic attack, scared, you know, stress. It stops my creativity. So it's like that's when I started to notice that I I am susceptible to it. But it's very What's good about me that I I know because I know a lot of people suffer from depression and they don't know why they're depressed. Like when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm stressed, like I know the exact reason. It's, it's like not like situational. all of a sudden. I, yeah. Yes, it's situational. It's not like all of a sudden I'm like, why did I wake up sad today? Which I'm really grateful for because a lot of people have that. Like I know, so I feel like um, I had to deal with some of that and. But I did it. You know, I never I never wanted to, like, go to the doctor and get on Xanax yeah. or anything. I've never been on anything like that because I know how addictive that stuff is. So, well, like, it's great that um, you're aware I've been of pretty it. good. It's great that yeah. you're aware, like, okay, this is Heather in this situation, and it's causing me this stress, but I'm not, like, a psychotic human. I haven't lost control of my brain. Yeah. I'm just going through, like, a traumatizing time. And you're allowed to be right. human and, like, not enjoy it necessarily. <laughs> Um, yeah like people are allowed to have shitty days and and trying times yes Yes. you know but i want to finish with a final game called the seven deadly sins seven deadly sins what are you greedy about uh, a good chardonnay like i'm that person that if i brought a great bottle of chardonnay to the party and the the bottle that's open that's currently being poured is nowhere near the bottle I brought. I open the bottle I brought, which people have, I've been called out on it. People have talked behind my back about it. So I'd like to put it on your show just so they know that. Like, I'm not going to lie. If I'm going to have the wine, I'm, I'm a woman of a certain age. I like the flavor. If I'm going to get buzzed, possibly have a hangover, it better taste fucking good. I know that you're already very established in your comedy career, but would you be a real housewife just for the experience? Um, I get asked this all the time, and I definitely would if it really didn't involve putting my family or my marriage in jeopardy. So they would have to be featured very, very little. I don't know if they could promise little. that. I don't know if they could promise that. I know that. they yeah. probably can't. Like, if there was a Real Housewives type of show that really did involve just, like, funny, cool women... Yeah. Getting together, going on free paid trips by Bravo. I wouldn't mind like fighting with them, being yeah. a bitch, whatever. Yeah. I just don't want to ever like have people talk about my sons on the, you know, and say mean things or say they were rude to me because sometimes they are. And like, you know, I just wouldn't want my family to be jeopardized. But all of like getting dressed up, going to cute, drinking, having apps, going to parties with cameras following me around, saying yeah. snarky shit to other women for fun. Yes. But I, I don't like, I really don't like to fight with people. So I would definitely have to be the person that's like, I'm allowed to just like be light and funny. And then they can talk about me that I opened my own bottle of Chardonnay at the party. That's fine. <laughs> that's, Rip me a new that's asshole. That's your storyline the, the whole season. Yeah, re, re, like, bring it on at the reunion, bitch. And then you're, you're like, I bring the Chardonnay. And I don't care yeah. who else does or some stupid tagline. Yeah, and then and then like yeah, at the reunion, it's like that bunny scene. Like, here, Heather, here's your bottle. I know, yeah. I know, I I know, I don't serve good enough Chardonnay for you. So drink up, fucking. And then bitch. Andy, then Andy happened to like not watch that season, so he's like, "What? What's going on?" But then he pretends he did, and he's like, "Why would you do that?" Yeah. Then he's like, "Oh, that's right, that's right. I'm sorry, I had you mixed up with uh, New Jersey." <laughs> Next, who are you? Who are you envious of? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm not. You know what's really great is um, 
I just remember one time uh, when I was on Chelsea lately, Chelsea goes, if you if you could be me, would you want to be? Because, you know, she had her own show and she was, you know, more successful. And I don't know what, what the answer she thought, but I think she might have thought I'd say yes, you know. And there is nobody else I'd ever want to be because it's like I have my family. I love my house. I, you know, I'm married. I have kids. Um, but, I mean, there's been times where there's people's careers that I've been like, now that's the yeah. perfect career. And there's like a, I always thought like a morning talk show that would like be close by that would be funny that you know I, I wouldn't have to move to New York for something like that yeah you know um I think is great I but mean still a career is such a small slice of people's overall yeah happiness. there's nobody's like personal life for anything because it's like my personal life is my family and like I don't want to change anything about anybody in my family so it's like no I don't I don't want to be you know I don't like look at Chrissy Teigen's like cook line and go wow one day like I don't desire like an enormous amount of like wealth like it is nice I'm like but then sometimes I see a big house and I'm like oh those people have to have a staff then they have to fire that staff and be stressed about it then when that they divorce go they have to fight over yeah. the house <laughs> then that thing. person's gonna write you know do an interview for people magazine yep. about what a bitch they were because yep. they wanted broccoli every day like I'm just kind of like eh you know like I I'm good. My money, more problems. More money to travel. It would be fun to travel, like, on private planes. And it would be fun to, like, have a yacht and stuff. But, like, I never want to own the plane or Ugh, the yacht. I just want to have the money like to go. Pain. Yeah, I just want to be the person that goes on and then leaves. Like, I never – I don't even want to, like, you know, pack a bag for a hotel, let alone, like, pack the whole yacht or whatever. Also, it's so much more fun when it's not yours. It's like watching right. someone else eat their food. Like, their food always looks better than your food. Like – just visit the yes. yacht, I swear. I mean, not that I would yeah. know. Um, what are you gluttonous about? My favorite things on earth is a grilled artichoke with oh. like a really good sauce. Ooh. And um, a certain kind of Chinese chicken salad. I literally just had it last night. It's got to be um, Chinese chicken salad, the salad dressing from Stanley's. They have a couple versions of it. But I really like it when it's from pulled chicken from a real chicken. Like, not a dry breast chopped up in cubes. Yeah. Pulled chicken breast. So then the salad dressing soaks into the sal to the chicken. And, yeah. I mean, I'll eat, like, an enormous amount. You just reminded me of a Kardashian. I feel like the Kardashians are very particular about their salads. And it, like, is the prime I mean, part of their day. I mean, a big salad on a certain type of weather day. It's just a big salad. Like, yeah. I really it's love that. The most L.A. thing you've said so far. Yes. Oh, and I love, like, I love, like, a gooey dessert. Like okay. a, you know, like a chocolate souffle mm. or, like, just a really good chocolate chip cookie that's, like, warm. I'm pro gooey versus crispy, gooey and chewy totally. all day. When yeah. was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Oh, I mean a lot. Like the, I mean with my husband probably pissed me off. Nobody <laughs> else really can get under my skin. But it Are just you guys doesn't good last at very fighting, long. Though? No, like I, I kind of no. I don't know. It's changing all the time. I'm like <laughs> learning. Like 20 years in, I'm still like, it's like I'm retraining a, a dog or something. And it's it's working, but it's taking a very long time. At least so I'm starting to learn like like not to go head to head, like just like end this going, like end this annoying conversation and then just like move on to something else. And then we're like, and then he's, then we're fine. So just him probably or Good. nothing else that really pisses me off. <laughs> oh, I know. I know what pissed me off. 
I was walking by this house in my neighborhood and this kid drove up with like rap music blaring, 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 blaring with the windows down, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was. But then he got out of the car and left the car running with the music rolling so loud as he went into the house. And so he's walking to the house and he's like, you know, like looks like he's my son. Like he's like between 16 and 20 white kid. And I go. Um, hey, dude, really? Like, with because it's like F, pussy, the N word, like everything. I'm like, D- come on, like, you, you have to keep the car running. It wasn't even like a hot day where, like, oh my God, you're right. Like, yeah. I just wanted the air running. And he, he just goes, fuck, fuck you, fuck you, fuck shit, fuck, and starts screaming at me. Like, he, like, I mean, he probably looked at me like that fucking Karen can't tell me what to do. And I was just like, yeah, that was like the first time that I, like, started to, like, speak up. Like, come on, like, sort of, I've never called anyone on their behavior, but that was, like, one thing. I was like, why would you keep your car running? And I was mad, but it was, and it was shaky, but it was sort of satisfying. Well, it sounded like you saw him as, like, one of your kids, and you were just like, this isn't what you should do as an adult in society. Yeah. But then you couldn't give him a timeout after. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When was the last time you were a sloth? Like, do you ever just do nothing all day? Um, Well, I'm not, I'm not, like, a super clean person. Like, I clean the kitchen and stuff, but, like, I'm not organized. You're creative. Yeah, at the beginning of the... Of the pandemic, I organized literally two drawers. That was it. I went to Costco. I bought organizers for two drawers. That is it. I have never organized. Like, so I think I really envy people that get off on that shit, mm. that love it, that I, I think it's I think it's such a great trait to be like super neat anal retentive. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, I wish I had it. Stressed. I never will. My, when my mom's stressed, she has to clean. So the house is always spotless. But I'm like, are you That's okay? That's nice. Like, what are you so stressed I think, out I think, about? I think it's great, though, because you accomplish something. Yeah, it's a be- it's better. Like, if than, I'm like, stressed, I, like, have a glass of, yeah, I have a glass of wine, I call a girlfriend, like, I accomplish nothing. Me too. So I think I, it's great. I watch reality yeah. TV. <laughs> yes. When was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something? So, like, your ego. I was a little uh, butthurt because I did a show. I did a, a live Zoom show with my good friend Jeff Lewis, who has a radio show. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the next afterwards, um, Andy Cohen and one of the guys that was on it sort of spoke about me that they said I took over and talked too much. And um, and I read all these comments about it and it, it bothered me. But then I thought, well, at least he said my name. <laughs> at least Andy Cohen said my name on the radio. And... So I kind of, I, I didn't let my pride get in the way, and I think I handled it well, and I talk about it on Thursday's Juicy Scoop of what I, how do I feel, what I feel about it. But but my pride was hurt yes. initially. and But you kind of turned a, it Yes, around. I like thought about it for a minute, which is, comes with a lot of age and wisdom. I, you I are wrote a tweet, I deleted bitch. it. Yeah. yeah, I wrote a tweet, I deleted it. Like, I kind of was like, let me see, you know, what. And so now I, I'm kind of excited with the way I handled it. Or was it, or was it that I was just trying to keep the show going because I am someone that's like, yeah. you know, trying to get a joke in it, you know, as much as possible to make it entertaining. And so, you know, it is what it is. But it was like, oh, I can't believe I'm still putting up with this shit. But then I kind of, I've, you know, it's great to have a platform like the podcast where you can say freely how you feel afterwards and you can, you know, get feedback from your fans and it can't be 
written or edited in some TMZ article that then you're like, no, that's not what I meant. Like, mm-hmm. I love that aspect of things. And I think oh, it makes 100%. life and the world more interesting. Yeah. Especially like being on a reality TV show to have a place where I can just say whatever I want. And I edit it. Yeah. It's, it's freeing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also tough because some people could have had the same interview and thought you were hilarious or you might have had better chemistry with someone else who just their energy's great with you. So sometimes you just have to be like, they're not maybe that wasn't my situation that I yeah shined in and that's okay because I'm not perfect and maybe the energy was off yes. that day because I've had like you know one person is like not giving you good energy not laughing at you and you're just like I don't okay fuck yeah. me like then you forget how to form sentences and then anyway um final question yeah when was the last time you lusted over someone besides your hubby like do you have any celebrity crushes or guy you saw on the street you know- you know what I love is um, on TikTok, <laughs> on my for on the for you page, for the some 14 reason. Year olds? <laughs> no, no, the for you page. Okay, oh, yeah. listen. The thing about TikTok that I try to tell people is clearly they're spying on us. I don't know if it's China, whatever, but they like know what I like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's like it's like gender reveals. It's you know, but it's a lot. But what I get a ton of is you know that song like ooh. Eight feet, that's my type. That's yeah. my type, the sweetie song. Okay. So yeah. there's this theme that goes on TikTok where it's hot cops coming home to their wife and the wife films it and I fucking get wet. Jerk like, off. I, I like love it. <laughs> and they're all different types of cops. Like some are like older, it's a retirement day. Yeah. Most of them are like 30, tattooed, really cute. Yeah. Like they laugh. They see their wife is laughing. I go, oh my God, they have a great relationship. This yeah. is so cute. Oh like God. there's just something like that. I lust after like that, the fun cuteness that I see in married couples on TikTok. Y- yeah, because after you watch the video, you can't just leave. You have to then go into her profile. You have to yes. see all their other interactions. You want to feel like you right. understand. I totally get it. Um, yeah, I love the couple stuff. It's yeah. so cute. So, Heather, to wrap this up, um, you know, Burning in Hell, we talk about people's demons. Do you have any advice you'd give to listeners on how to cope with your hell? Because you've been through a lot in your long, successful career, and I think you'd have some good advice. I think the biggest, there's two things of advice I'm gonna say that I think I've kind of coined for myself. I'm not saying I'm Maya Angelou, but I'm close. (laughs) I think it's, one is, um, you know, you may have regrets about your behavior or something you've done, and you might be living in that moment right now of regret, but, I'm telling you, there will come a day, it may take months, it may even take years, that you're going to wake up and go, you know what, if I hadn't have said that, and I hadn't have done this, and I hadn't done that, and the job, da 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 I wouldn't be here today. And I feel like everything always presents itself, it just may take a minute. So you just have to just work through it, know it's going to get better, don't live in regret, because there's no way to go back. Um, and then the other th- thing is... Sometimes the greatest gift someone can give you is treating you so badly that you can cut them out of your life. Girl, some energy you just got to cut out and it's not your job to yeah. change someone or make them fit into like your life when it's not meant to happen. But you know, there's been people where you want to get rid of them, but they haven't been that bad or they haven't <laughs> said that worse of a thing. And then they finally do that thing where you're like, okay, if now they have sex with I- your husband, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> but... You know, and then you kind of go, 
you know, um, now I don't feel guilty about cutting them out is what I'm saying. Like, it's so bad that you have the con you you have a free conscience of being like, we're done. We're fucking done. So thank you for being such a huge, horrible person. Because now I never need to give you another chance. I gave you, you know, 25 chances over the last five years. I don't have to give you anymore. So I think that's something that's great. I love that. And Heather, I just want to say I definitely look up to you and everything you've done in your career from stand-up to then TV to then you've really hit everything. And I feel like you're just getting, you know, more and more opportunities in the future. That's what my psychic you know, inner thoughts are telling me. And I'm so excited about your special on August 7th on Amazon. What's it called? Amazon Prime. It's called Juicy Scoop. I, I was trying to, you know, I, I learned from the best. Bethany Frankel, just brand it, make Stan it brand. easy. So the, the stand-up is called Juicy Scoop. The podcast is Juicy Scoop. Go to heathermcdonald.net. We'll have all the information there. If you want to watch it on Amazon Prime, you can. If you want to join my Patreon, you can watch it there. Um, Hannah, I loved having you on my show. Everyone yes. loved you. So, people, if you want a juicy interview with Hannah, go back and she's, you know, on my show a couple months ago. I got such and great thrilled... feedback from that episode. Oh, it was good. So fun. Yeah. And I'm thrilled how well you're doing. So, I was hap- I'm happy I got to do yours. Thank you. And yeah, go on Amazon, get her books, follow her on Instagram. Where can people follow you? Every Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter is at Heather McDonald, and Facebook is Heather McDonald Comedy. Your social media is really funny. Um, thank you. It's a great we follow. Up. Yeah, you guys, thank you so much for coming to hell. Um, Heather survived um, with flying colors, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>